Welcome to the LFC podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. We're so glad you've tuned in, and we believe that God will speak to you today as you listen to this message. So we're here celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and of all things, we're going to open up today in the Old Testament, of all things, in the book of 2 Samuel. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you could go ahead and turn there to 2 Samuel chapter 24, something happened um, in this passage of Scripture, and King David made a big mistake. How many have ever made a big mistake before? They made a big one. King David made a big mistake. He decided to take a census of all of the children of Israel, but not just everyone. He wanted to take a census of those who would qualify to be in the military. Now, in and of itself, don't you think that that's a good thing to have knowledge, right? You need to know what resources you have. Well, this wasn't just uh, inquiring minds want to know. What it was, it was an act out, out of his own will that he was placing trust in men, horses, and chariots than he was Almighty God who had fought every battle for him anyway and given him victory over his enemies. But in this particular instance, David called for a census. Well, it angered God. And God sent a plague. Actually, God gave David a couple choices. Hey, what do you, what do you want to do as a result of this? And he said, hey, listen, don't let me be put before my enemies because they won't have mercy upon me. So I throw myself upon you, God. You're the one that's merciful. And this is where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 15. The word of God says this. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of time designated. And here's what's crazy. 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. That's horrible right? It's horrible. 70,000 people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved because of the calamity. And he said to the angel who was afflicting the people, he said to them this, enough, withdraw your hand. And the angel of the Lord was then at the fresh threshing floor of Aruna the Jezebite. But here's what I want us to focus on right now. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, that must have been an absolute horrific sight, frightening, terrifying. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, and this is what I want us to focus on. He said this, I am the one who has sinned. He took ownership. You know, people that won't ever take ownership for what they've done. Well, someone else did this, and so that made me respond. Well, David, in this instance, he owned it. He said this, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people, these 70,000 people that have died, the ones that are mourning and weeping and wailing at this very moment, they are just sheep. They're following me. What have they done? 
But then David prayed this last little bit of prayer, but it wasn't just any kind of prayer. It was actually prophetic in nature. In other words, he was speaking something into existence that had not been cultivated yet. It had not come to fruition. He was speaking into existence something that we are living under today. He said this, let your hand fall upon me and my family. Now that prophecy that was just given by King David right there, here's what we have to understand, that 28 generations later, that prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. 28 generations later, that prayer was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing here today. We're celebrating not a dead Savior, not just a crucified Savior, but we are are here worshiping a risen Savior that raised bodily from the dead. Not just spiritually, but bodily. Physically rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave. But when we come together for Easter service or Resurrection Sunday, there are, there's some things that you just think of when you think of Easter, right? There's just some things that you think of through, through the entire weekend, throughout Holy Week. What are some of the things that we think of? Well, we think of his, his beating, don't we? We think of that beating. Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 53, 5, 4 and 5. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We, we think about his beating, don't we? On Easter weekend, on, on Good Friday, we think about that. But not only do we think about his beating, we think about his crucifixion, right? We think about the crucifixion. Luke 23 says it this, when they came to the place called the skull or Golgotha, they nailed him. Can you even fathom that? They didn't tie him to a cross. They nailed him to a cross, signifying that you can't get away. They nailed him to a cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. We think about that crucifixion. Well, you can't just think about the beating without the crucifixion, and you can't just think about the crucifixion without thinking about his death. John chapter 19 says it like this. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. He was hanging on the cross at this point. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. And they soaked it in a sponge and put it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus tasted it, he said these words, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. Here's what's interesting. They didn't kill him. They didn't take his life. He freely gave his life for you and for me. 
Well, you can't think about his death Easter weekend without thinking about his burial, right? You can't, you can't forget that. The burial in Mark chapter 15, it says, Joseph bought a, a long sheet of linen cloth and then he took Jesus' body down from the cross and wrapped it in a cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a stone in front of that entrance. We think about that grave. We think sometimes about how dark it was, how cold it was. We think about his beaten and bloody body that was ripped to shreds, wrapped up in that cloth in that tomb. I don't know about you, but that's what I think about, right? But here's what's interesting. Many people, they, they just think about the death portion, the beating, the crucifixion, the death and the burial. But Resurrection Sunday is just about that. It's about the fact that Jesus is alive. So you can't think about any, all of that and leave out his resurrection. (laughs) And I love it. I posted it yet this morning. It said this early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out from the angel, uh, went out to visit the tomb and suddenly there was a great earthquake. How many were up early, early, early this morning? The birds were just barely waking up. I was up early this morning and I'm thinking, wow, could this have been about the time? Could this have been about the time? And suddenly there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it and his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow and the guards that were positioned there to keep anyone from stealing the body, they, they fell face down, dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. That guy that you saw just a few days ago that was beaten, nailed to a cross, gave up his spirit, and there was a great earthquake and crazy things were happening. People were running for their lives. That same day when that curtain was rent in two in the temple from the top to the bottom, signifying that, hey, listen, (laughs) that same That same day, that same Jesus, don't be afraid. He isn't here for he is risen. He's risen from the dead just like he said it would happen. Come see where his body was laying. You see, Jesus even told us in the book of John that I am the resurrection and I am the life. I'm the resurrection and I am the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after he has died. I don't know about you, but that's what I think about when I think about Easter. But today, where we're at, you can't think about all of that without thinking about his return. You can't, you can't leave, it's all big, one big package. It's about his, his return. 
That's what we are waiting for even right now in the day and age that we are in. We're waiting for his return. And 1 Thessalonians tells us what is going to happen in the Bible. It says what it's going to happen. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. That's going to be an awesome day unless you're visiting the cemetery and then you're going to freak out, right? Right? First, the Christians who have died... I always used to think if that happens, they're just like, right? No, it's not going to happen like that. Then together with them, I don't know, I have weird thinking sometimes. Does anyone else think like me? All right, thank you very much. We've watched too many scary movies, right? Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. The Bible talks about it. It's in the twinkling of an eye like that. You see, Jesus is coming back for his people. And what do we call that? We call that the blessed hope. Right, Pastor? We call it the blessed hope. That's what we are waiting for. But still, guys, there's more. There's more to the the whole Easter encounter that we have not yet experienced. We've not experienced his, his return yet. We're waiting for that. But when that return happens, we don't like to think about this, but we have to think about his judgment. We have to think about his judgment. Some people don't want to, they want to put that out of their minds we see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We are all going to be judged. Did you know that? Huh. Could you just appease me just for a moment? It's Easter Sunday and it's really early in the morning, so this might be very easy to do. Can you just close your eyes right now? Can you just close your eyes and could you just imagine with me a court trial? What's it going to look like? Who's going to be there? How would you feel in this court trial knowing that you were the one that he was coming after? How would you feel being the one? You see, someday I am going to have to stand before God and everyone in this building is going to have to stand before him too. And I don't know about you, but I would want the most just judge in the entire world to be in charge of that court trial. And let me tell you this, the judge who summons the presence of heaven, the one who presides in the great assembly, he who will judge the nations on every side, he's going to be there. He'll be there. 
And I can even see my old accuser. He'll be there too. My prosecuting attorney, Prosecutor Lucifer. Order, come to order. Your Honor, it is your law that requires an accusation be confirmed by the mouths of at least two witnesses. So to honor your law, I will call on two witnesses this day. Your law also states that the wages of sin is death. And you are the lawgiver and judge. So I will call for you to condemn this man. And you must condemn him on all accounts, including the most serious of all, quenching and grieving of the Holy Spirit. And now, if it pleases the court, I will start by questioning the accused. State your name for the record. Daryl Booker. Daryl Booker. Have you ever gone by any other names? Well, no. No? <laughs> so, no one's ever called you Pastor or Reverend? Yes, I. Yeah, I guess they have, yes. So, you have gone by other names? Yes. Well, Reverend Booker, you have been indicted on several accounts. We don't want to add perjury to the list. We need to make sure your answers are accurate and truthful. Do you understand? Yes, I, I understand. <laughs> because it is my intentions to have you condemned pronounce your judgment and sentence you to punishment <laughs> let's get started is it or is it not true that your eyes have seen things that they should not have seen yes I, I guess so you guess so? Would you like me to present the evidence? Perhaps Exhibit A will ring a bell. <laughs> Is Miss Booker in the room? Or your children? I'm sure they'd love to see the kinds of things you've looked at in your past. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yes, this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have. That's what I thought. And your hands. Your hands have done evil deeds that they should not have done, yes? Yes, they have. And your ears. Your ears, they've heard things. And your feet, they've taken you places that you should never have been. Yes? Do you need me to repeat the question? Respond! Yes! Yes, they, they have. They have. Yes. And your tongue, your tongue, you said things. Evil. Tail-bearing curses in your thought life. Oh, your thought life. 
recall how you struggled. Your mind has gotten the best of you more than once. Envy, jealousy, hatred, pride, arrogance. It's true, isn't it? It's all true, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm guilty before my accuser. It's true. <laughs> Your Honor, you've heard it from the mouth of the accused. He is guilty, and I demand immediate judgment. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> Request denied. There are more witnesses. Very well. We call our first witness. Witness! State your name for the record. I am the guardian angel of Daryl Booker. Guardian? <laughs> angel? <laughs> Is that what your friends call you? Guardian Angel? Yes. <clears throat> Very well then, Guardian Angel. Tell us what you know about Daryl Booker, truthfully. I probably know more about Daryl Booker than anybody else in the entire world. I was assigned to him on November 30th, 1969. He has been under my charge ever since. I've faithfully protected him through the early days of youth and the restless years of teen. And into adulthood, I've covered him continually. I've faithfully protected him. I've spent many a long, lonely nights traveling the highways, keeping him awake on the fender of his car. I've ridden on the wings of airplanes to keep him safe in order that he can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in foreign lands. I've watched out for him as he has watched out for dozens and dozens of youth ministering in the inner cities, both at home and abroad. I've covered him continually. Do I know Daryl Booker? I love Daryl Booker, and I am here to protect him now. I feel much better. My guardian angel. My guardian angel, he's here. He has protected me and fought for me even when I was not aware. And he has guarded me from the enemy's dangerous attacks and his threats. Yes, guardian angel. Then <laughs> you can certainly attest to the fact that his eyes have seen things that they should not have seen. His hands. <laughs> his hands have done evil deeds. His feet, his feet have taken him places they never should have been. You have heard him speak lies, give vows that he possibly could never keep. It's true, guardian angel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all true! Stop it! Stop it! He can't defend me. For if he is truthful, and he'll be truthful, he'll have to testify that I'm guilty. I am guilty. <laughs> Dismissed! <laughs> Your Honor, I call my second and last witness. closest friend and prayer partner. I taught him, instructed him, and advised him. I cheered him up when he was sad. I gave him words to speak, gave him power, power to be a witness. I have helped him in his weaknesses, and I have interceded on his behalf. Oh yes, I love Daryl Booker. I know him very, very well. I, I might stand a chance now. The Holy Spirit is here. Even now, I, I sense his presence here with me. For he is my advocate. He is my counselor. He is the one who's taught me. He's not just been an experience in my life, but he has been a person who has dwelled within me, empowered me, and has given me strength. Oh, I feel much better. Holy Spirit! 
Has he ever grieved you? He really did not want to. He tried to be obedient, always sincere. Uh, I didn't ask if he if he was sincere. Oh, this this is a court of law. Has he or has he not broken your law? He never wanted to, but yes, he did grieve me. Has he stifled you? Quench you? Put out your spirit's fire? There were times, but he tried. He tried to remain sensitive. But... Sensitive? Oh! You are not answering my, my questions! I keep up! And I'll help you hold in contempt of this court! Uh, Holy Spirit, I ask you again, did he resist you? Yes. And you too have seen his eyes look like things that they should not have seen. And you too I see his hands do evil deeds! <laughs> and you too have seen his, his feet taking places they never should have been! You have, you have seen him thought things! Horrible! Murderous things! And you are witness to all of these things! Are you not Holy Spirit? <laughs> Answer! Answer me now! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even the precious Holy Spirit, the one who has dwelled within me, he can't defend me. He can't lie. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm condemned. <laughs> Your Honor, you've heard it from the mouths of two witnesses and from the accused himself. He is guilty, and I demand that he spend eternity in hell! <laughs> I rest my case! <laughs> is there any counsel for the defense?
on the basis of these nail-scarred hands and feet, the wound in my side and the stripes on my back, my blood that was shed. I declare that Daryl Booker is covered. I am the lamb that was slain, root and offspring of David, Prince of Peace. I am your advocate, your everlasting covenant, the resurrection and the life, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am. Therefore, now, no condemnation. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You are not guilty. Thanks again for joining us today. If you desire to grow deeper in your faith, we want to help you. Text the word GROW to 419-495-6802. To check out all of our upcoming events, head over to limafirst.church and click the events tab. Lastly, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future messages. Be blessed.